as we peruse all things Potter. Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite half-giant pal, Mr. Rubius Hagrid. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. He's a lot of people's favorite characters and he is a good favorite character to have. He deserves to be people's favorite character jumping right in then so Hagrid's full name as Katie mentioned is Rubius Hagrid um and Wizarding World actually includes him on an article they have on the etymology of names and it says Hagrid's name may be derived from the term Hagridden which means worried Hagrid is often Hagridden for the safety of Harry after all Rubius may come from the Latin rubio, which means I am red or ruddy, and if you notice in the books, this is exactly what happens when the professor partakes in a glass of wine. (laughs) Um, We've also talked, have we talked about the colors and how like Hagrid is red and Dumbledore is white? Oh, we talked about that on Dumbledore's episode. Oh, okay, yeah. And then, was it Sirius? Was he black? Was he that one? His, like, Harry's three father figures. I don't think we've talked about it that in depth. Dumbledore means, like, white hat. Like, Albus Dumbledore. Yeah. I think there's, like, I don't know if, like, theory is the right word, but there's something about how, like, Hagrid, like, Rubius is, like, red, and then Albus is white, and then Sirius black. Obviously, his last name is black. And, like, red, white, and black are all um, colors in, like, alchemy. Oh, okay. And then Harry's, like, the gold that's produced from the medals of the three father figures. Huh. Excluding Arthur. I saw a tweet yeah. the other day that was, like, it was, like, Harry. Oh, my gosh. I wish, like, I had a good father figure to look up to. And it's, like, Arthur. It's, like, I'm right here. And then Harry, like, oh, man, I just wish I had somebody to look up to that could be, like, a dad <laughs> to me. And Arthur's, like, okay, Harry. <laughs> that's I thought it was so funny. Seems like you um, tweet that. <laughs> um also speaking of twitter so you know that like um that like meme that's going around and it's like something you could say like at this situation and then like in bed also yeah. and somebody was like katie you need to start a thread that's like something that you could say in harry potter but in bed also because there's like star wars ones that are really good i was like maybe we should maybe we'll post that on our twitter Okay. Um, but getting back to Hagrid, his birthday, as far as we know, is December 6, 1928. Um, the year comes from, we know how old he was when the Chamber of Secrets was first open. And then um, this comes from the wiki, the date. Um, it also says that he was born in the Forest of Dean. And this comes from a J.K. Rowling interview um, explaining why Hagrid has the accent he does. I'm not an expert in English accents, but apparently <laughs> his accent is not, like, I don't know. That's just, like, his dialect comes from that area of England. I mean, the Forest of Dean also is where um, Harry and Ron find the Sword of Gryffindor, and they Correct. camp for a little bit. Camp. Because Hermione went camping there once, right? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that was I think that, that's the that one. Yeah, there's at least one, because the first couple ones were, like, Oh, my parents went shopping down this street one time. 
And then yeah. we're on things like there's some conspiracy, like the Death Eaters, like n- are like f- know where Hermione's gonna go because they keep like catching up to them. But really, it's just the Voldemort taboo. Yeah. Um, also of note is that December six is today for us, date of recording, not date of release. But happy birthday, Hagrid. Yeah. How old is he? Old. Um. Ninety. Ninety-one. Whew. Wait, 91? Getting up there. 92? No, it's 2019. to 2019? The difference of 6 and 9 is not 1. Why are you doing 6 and 9? 26. That was the year he was born, wasn't it? 28. Oh, 28. Okay, sorry. That was my bad. That was my bad. (laughs) I was like, uh, (laughs) where are you getting this from? Uh. All right. Um, so Hagrid's parents are Mr. Hagrid, and, <laughs> who is a wizard, and Fridwulfa, who is a giantess. So Fridwulfa left when Rubius Hagrid was three years old because he was, quote, small, and giants want large children. Oh. Um, by our standards, Hagrid is not small, but... <laughs> so she returned to the giants, and she had Grop who is Hagrid's half-brother, and we meet in Order of the Phoenix, and he was also considered small, even though he's, like, full giant, right? Yeah. So maybe she just has small kids. Um, Maybe she's just small. Yeah. (laughs) Something in the genes. (laughs) Um, So she died before the Second Wizarding War, which we know because when Hagrid and... Madame Maxime go to the Giants. He's, like, hoping that he's going to see her there. And he finds out that she has passed away. Mr. Hagrid, Hagrid's dad, was short um, by human standards as well. (laughs) (laughs) And he raised Hagrid on his own. But he died during Hagrid's second year at Hogwarts in 1941, around then. So he didn't live to see Hagrid get expelled in his third year. And that really means that, like... Hagrid was totally on his own, I guess, except for Dumbledore. So Yeah, from, like, 13, 12 on. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And, like, thank God he had Dumbledore after he got expelled because, like, what would have happened to him? Like, a 13-year-old orphan who, like, doesn't have any, like... Who can't doesn't have go any to other school. Family. Yeah, can't, can't go to school, yeah. Like, Hogwarts saved Harry and, like... It saved Hagrid, too. I mean, it kicked Hagrid out, but still saved him in a way. Well, like Dumbledore. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So next, his house is Gryffindor. Um, I have a question mark next to that because I could be incredibly wrong, but I'm pretty sure that his house was unknown for quite some time. Like, it's never said in the series. Um, I believe maybe it was announced when Pottermore came out because he's listed as a Gryffindor on Pottermore. So I'm not sure if it was that. Or before that, yeah, sorry. Well, it was on Pottermore when it was announced. Um, And so there was some, like, debate about what House Hagrid was going to be. I mean, Gryffindor was kind of everybody's first thought. um, But I've seen some really good theories for Slytherin. Uh, My favorite one, I believe it was Super Carlin Bros. Are we shocked? Um, But, like, I that one was really cool because they talked about how, um, like, so Tom Riddle was a seventh year fifth year when he um, opened the chamber of secrets 
sixth year sixth year um and Hagrid was a third year and if they were in different houses like why would they have had a reason to interact and like know each other right um but if they were both in Slytherin that would have kind of explained why Tom Riddle knew so much about Hagrid and knew he had an acromantula because I think it would be pretty like I mean you're separated by so many years and you live in different places like I don't know like that was just just, like interesting like I'm sure it's just kind of like a convenience thing and we'll talk about that a little bit later with something else um I've also seen some good things for like Hufflepuff as well but officially he is a Gryffindor I'm fine with him being a Gryffindor but I I also think Hufflepuff would be a good house for him because like he's so like dedicated to people yeah, he's so loyal. Like, yeah. when you think of Hagrid, like, you think of his loyalty to Dumbledore and to Harry. And to Harry, yeah. Yeah. All right, so his wand is 16 inches oak wood with an unknown core and rather bendy. Um, I believe we found this out, like, when Harry goes to get his wand at Ollivander's, because Ollivander's like, oh, I remember when I gave you your wand. Um, it's suspected that Dumbledore might have mended his wand with the Elder Wand. Um, because if it was fully broken, like Harry always says like, oh, it's, he assumes that it's like pieces of Hagrid's wand in the umbrella, but if it was fully broken, it probably wouldn't have worked as well as it did. And we know, we, like we find out in seven that like the elder wand can mend other wands. So that's a possibility. Um, so then there are two kinds of oak wood and it's not specified which one, um, was used i think one is a pretty clear (laughs) clear choice but so there's english oak um and this is a wand for good times and bad this is a friend as loyal as the wizard who deserves it we just talked about Hagrid being loyal Mm -hmm. um wands of english oak demand partners of strength courage and fidelity less well known is the propensity for owners of english oak wands to have powerful intuition and often an affinity with the magic of the natural world with the creatures and plants that are necessary to wizard kind for both magic and pleasure um i think it goes on a little bit but i think that is pretty spot on for Hagrid description the other option would be red oak which would go kind of nice because we were talking about how rubius means red but the description of the wood doesn't really match Hagrid um it says you will often hear the ignorance the ignorant say that red oak is an infallible sign of its owner's hot temperature temp hot temper (laughs) (laughs) Um, In fact, the true match for a red oak wand is possessed of unusually fast reactions, making it a perfect dueling wand. So the master is supposed to be light of touch, quick-witted, and adaptable, which I don't really think of as Hagrid. Um, It is like the the ignorant saying that it's a sign of hot temper, like Hagrid can, can get, lose his temper, but uh, Ollivander's actual meaning of the wood does not seem to match it. So I would say it's English oak. I like that. Um, so next, I'm going to move into the first mention section. Um, I have, like, kind of a long quote just because it's so good. Like, this description, I, like, I, when I was typing this, I, like, could type it probably mostly from memory just because of, like, how iconic <laughs> it is. Um, it's right at the end of the first chapter. So the boy who lived um, right when Hagrid is bringing baby Harry to Dumbledore and McGonagall at Fort Privet Drive. 
So it says, if the motorcycle was huge, it was nothing to the man sitting astride it. He was almost twice as tall as a normal man and at least five times as wide. He looked simply too big to be allowed and so wild. Long tangles of bushy black hair and beard hit mo hid most of his face. He had hands the size of trash can lids and his feet and their leather boots were like baby dolphins. And his vast, in his vast muscular arms, he was holding a bundle of blankets. Hagrid, said Dumbledore, sounding relieved at last. And where did you get that motorcycle? Borrowed it, Professor Dumbledore, sir, said the giant, climbing carefully off the motorcycle as he spoke. Young Sirius Black lent it to me. I've got him, sir. So I just love this, like I said. The description is just so good, and you get such a vivid picture. And it's, like, just outrageous enough that you forget kind of how big he is until you read this again and it's like oh shoot like five times as wide as a normal man like yeah. that's crazy Hands the size of trash can lids yeah and dolphins <laughs> like, for feet like yeah and so like because the rest of the time like you just read Hagrid as like this normal character so it's easy to be like oh he's big and like kind of picture the movies where like they did a good job making him bigger but like he's not this big in the movies yeah um, so I just love that going back and reading that and then also like the hint of series black and the motorcycle like so soon I love that so I was gonna ask on that do you I don't know if you remember like the first time you read three but did you pick up on like that we had heard the name series black before because I definitely did not I I mean I could not tell you the first time I read three but I'm sure I didn't like it's just it's so early on like you still don't even know the names of like any of the characters at this point really like I don't yeah. even know like Harry's name was maybe said like once or twice because like dirt um Vernon like hears it and he's like oh shoot what was like what was um Dudley's cousin's name and like he asked mm. Petunia but like it's just crazy and then I love this the line of like he climbed carefully off the motorcycle so it's like such this juxtaposition of like He's this big, wild, crazy-looking man, but, like, he's holding this baby, and, like, he's being very careful and, like, gentle. Yeah. I just, uh, I think it's, like, a perfect introduction to Hagrid, and it's probably, like, one of my favorite descriptions of a character, and J.K. Rowling has great descriptions, so. Yeah. It's also just, like, I don't know. It's so, like, telling of, like, Hagrid and Harry's relationship, and, mm -hmm. you know, it just, like, sets the scene, which we will get to later. Yeah. I have a section on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the Myers-Briggs type for Hagrid, um, he's an ISFP, which is the adventurer. And this is actually the same type that we talked about for Myrtle, um, which I don't think would like initially make sense. I think like different parts of it maybe fit both of them. Um, it's just kind of like interesting because they were both like, caught up if you will with the <laughs> chamber of secrets um all right so adventurer personalities are true artists but not necessarily in the typical sense where they're out painting happy little trees often enough though they're perfectly capable of, capable of this rather it's that they use aesthetics design and even their choices and actions to push the limits of social convention adventurers enjoy upsetting traditional expectations with experiments in beauty and behavior chances are they've expressed more than once the phrase don't box me in so i don't know if hagrid really like i feel like he pushes the limits of social convention not by choice <laughs> like he doesn't get to be like don't box me in because no one tries to box him in but definitely 
when you think about like his character traits like he's unique and certainly outside of um what's like normal even in the wizarding world i mean like in the fact that he's half giant but also just like in the way he conducts himself and everything um and he's pretty for the most part unashamed of that i think like sometimes when he's like criticized or um like made fun of you can see that it affects him and like it does hurt him a little but he really i feel like has worked to like not not be affected by that I feel like he kind of lives his life forgetting that he's different, but then every time he's reminded of it, he's like, oh, shoot, I am different, and, like, it comes mm. crashing in on him. But, like, because of the people he's so close with, like, Harry and Dumbledore, they, like, don't make it a thing. Yeah. Um, like, he kind of forgets about it, but then every time it's, like, thrown back in his face, he's like, gets super self-conscious about it again. Yeah. And, like, the fact that, like, the whole like in goblet of fire with the half giant thing and like to him like he felt he could talk to madame maxime about it and stuff like he's certainly like more open about being different than she is but still not like it's not like he like fully embraces being different yeah okay so the next quote is that adventurers live in a colorful sensual world inspired by connections with people and ideas these personalities take joy in reinterpreting these connections, reinventing, and experimenting with both themselves and new perspectives. No other type explores and experiments in this way more. This creates a sense of spontaneity, making adventurers seem unpredictable even to their close friends and loved ones. Um, so the connections with people really stood out to me. Um, like like we were talking about earlier like i feel like his relationships with a select group of people are really important to him and he's just like a loyal and steadfast friend um to dumbledore and to harry and the trio and i think he like is someone that values personal relationships maybe more than other people do um he the experimenting and like exploring he totally does this like with magical creatures even when it's like kind of illegal <laughs> like breeding <laughs> blasted scroots or owning norbert slash norberta uh, <laughs> and he definitely like experiments with teaching and goes out of the ordinary ordinary with that because like he has a different approach to teaching care of magical creatures um and some people don't like that <laughs> and then I think the unpredictable aspect um, is, like, I feel like the trio and specifically, like, kind of, like, rule-type followers, um, like Hermione, even though she does break rules eventually, but <laughs> I think they would see him as unpredictable because they're always kind of, like, anticipating what he's going to do next. It's like, okay, we just got rid of Hagrid's dragon. Like, what what's he going to do next <laughs> that we're going to have to clean up the mess for? Uh. <laughs> it's all all in good fun. <laughs> At least Hagrid thinks so. Yeah. So, despite all this, adventurers are definitely introverts, surprising their friends further when they step out of the spotlight to be them to be by themselves to recharge. Just because they are alone, though, doesn't mean people with the adventurer personality type sit idle. They take this time for introspection, assessing their principles. Rather than dwelling on the past or the future, adventurers think about who they are. So, I feel like I definitely see Hagrid as an introvert, because 
he like does spend a lot of alone time and he seems like not bothered by it you know like he seems perfectly happy to spend time like just him and fang um i don't know about the whole like (laughs) introspection and reflecting on who you are but you know i guess we don't know maybe maybe haggard has a ravenclaw side too (laughs) and then if criticism does get through it can end poorly some adventures can handle kindly freeze commentary valuing it as another perspective to help push their passions in new directions but if the comments are more biting and less mature adventurer personalities can lose their tempers in spectacular fashion um Hagrid usually just loses his temper when like someone says something against the people he loves like I feel like he's more like angry when people are against him against the people he loves them when against him but Mm -hmm. i think he doesn't respond that well to criticism like with his teaching um harry and ron and hermione are like afraid to even say like oh maybe we shouldn't be doing blasted scroots or something like that uh, because he's very sensitive and like will immediately see it as like bad criticism even when it's trying to just be constructive yeah, well, it's like whenever he gets hate mail, he always just, like, locks himself in his hut. Yeah. And doesn't even let anybody, like, talk to him. And yeah, that scene so where, like, Hermione, like, stomps up to the door and is, like, banging on it and, like, yeah. yelling at Hagrid. And then Dumbledore opens the door and she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> she's like, where are your friends? Blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> it's so funny. It is. Um, Okay, so then strengths, charming, sensitive to others, imaginative, passionate, curious, and artistic. I think definitely sensitive to others, um, both in good and bad ways, like we were just talking about. Imaginative and, like, he came up with blast-ended scroots. (laughs) And then passionate and curious, like, I feel like he really does love teaching and he loves Hogwarts and... um, creatures and stuff and like he's constantly like wants to like instill that passion in students and also like learn more himself for weaknesses um fiercely independent unpredictable easily stressed overly competitive and fluctuating self-esteem i mean fluctuating self-esteem you can see in that example katie just said with um the hate mail he just like completely shuts himself in like Honestly, that would make anyone's self-esteem fluctuate, but, like, he seems particularly sensitive to that. Um, And, like, when Madame Maxime, like, kind of gives him a cold shoulder, like, he's really affected by that. And then the unpredictable, you really never know what Haggard's going to do next. (laughs) And I think easily stressed a little bit, too. Like, he tends to overreact to some things. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think that, like, speaks a lot to, like, both his strengths and weaknesses, like, the description um, of that personality type. So I like that. Um, The next section is just about Hagrid at Hogwarts. We really don't know much. We don't really know anything about his first and second year. We really only know stuff about his third year because that's when um, the whole debacle with the Chamber of Secrets happened. But... We do know that his father was really thrilled when he got accepted into Hogwarts because I think he was worried that Hagrid wouldn't have any magical abilities because of who his mother was. Um, But he was thrilled. Yes. Do giants not have any magical ability? Like, I know they don't have, like, magic, like, house elves do, but there's got to be, like, is there nothing magical about their blood? 
I feel like no. Um, oh, wait. Was it Hagrid's dad, was he a wizard or was he a muggle? No, he's a wizard. Okay, that's what I thought. But for some reason, I was worried after I said that. Um, but yeah, no. So his dad was thrilled. He was accepted to Hogwarts. And he began his education in 1940, where he was sorted into Gryffindor House, debatably. Um, not really debatably, but people have had that debate. Um, and then during his third year, he acquired Aragog. Um, there's been lots of speculation about how he acquired Aragog. A lot of people think it's going to end up being from Newt's commander. Um, but so he, Aragog was small when he got him, so he was like able to keep him in the castle and kind of like raise him as his pet. But Unfortunately, Tom Riddle found out about it, and at the same time, he was opening the Chamber of Secrets, and attacks on Muggleborns were happening, and at this point, nobody knew what Slytherin's monster was. Um, they didn't know it was a basilisk, so when, after Myrtle died and the school was threatened to be shut down, Tom was like, oh, no, no, no. I cannot have Hogwarts shut down. Like, this was not my plan. I need to be at Hogwarts. So... He threw Hagrid under the bus because Hagrid had an easy out because he had the Acromantula. So people thought that the Acromantula was Slytherin's monster. I don't know why people thought that made sense. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but if there were petrifications during the first time, like I don't think an Acromantula... Yeah, it says used to attack and petrify a number of muggle-born students like i don't think an acromantula can petrify people um so i think it was kind of the school just being like oh yes let's do this like make it look like we found the culprit like everybody's safe it's going to be fine we did a great job like pat ourselves on the back kind of thing um and obviously that's why dumbledore didn't believe that Hagrid was the one who was opening the Chamber of Secrets. So after Hagrid was expelled, Dumbledore let him stay on as gamekeeper and live on the Hogwarts grounds for the rest of his life. Um, just reading through this, Hagrid also had a history of making trouble. So he was also a super easy scapegoat because of that. Um, apparently he tried to once raise a werewolf under his bed um and he was known to sneak into the forbidden forest and wrestle trolls um Wait. <laughs> i don't know this is this apparently this comes from the mouth of tom riddle so we don't know whether to believe him or not like i assume oh, these are okay. just like accusations like he was like and haggard did this and haggard did this like he's obviously the guy opening the chamber of secrets he's dangerous and likes to put students in harm but haggard did before he was before Aragog could be captured, he let Aragog out, and he escaped to the Forbidden Forest. And that's where he had been living ever since his death. Aragog, king of the arachnids. <laughs> Such a good scene. <laughs> um, the Okay, wait. Did Tom, do you think that Tom Riddle knew that Haggard was half-giant? I think so. I think because Tom he was so, like. He definitely would be prejudiced. Oh, for sure. And, like, he probably used why. that to, I don't know, like, kind of to spin that story. No, I definitely think so. And I think that's another reason why Dumbledore was, like, so anti, like, it's not fair that Hagrid gets blamed for it because it was based on, like, prejudice and lies and didn't yeah. make any sense. Um, 
but yeah it's just so sad i know um so i was looking up giants one because i wanted to see about their magical abilities so they don't have Mm -hmm. any magical abilities they're just thought to be immensely powerful um unlike trolls they i mean they're way more intelligent than trolls and they like are able to comprehend magic and they actually like magic even like as long as it's not being used against them um also like they are resistant to a lot of magic and it's not clear if that's like just based on their size um Mm. but they it also mentions how their skin appears to be more resistant to non-magical trauma as well um so like grop um oh wait it's no more resistant to non-magical trauma Mm. oh so maybe because like grop was taken down by the centaur's centaur's arrows which they presumably don't have any magical like um powers so it's i think like maybe their resistance to magic is like real and not just based on size i don't know yeah well because it's like we've seen lots of times how like Oh, what was it? Like, one time it took, like, five stunning spells to the chest to, like, take Hagrid down or something. I think that was probably, like, the Battle of the Astronomy Tower where we see that, maybe. At the end of Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, well, McGonagall gets, like, four stunning spells. Yeah. Oh, that's, no, that's in five. Yeah, that's at the end of five. I don't know that. But I think, Yeah. yeah, so even though they don't have, like, magical abilities, they're, like they like comprehend magic and stuff like that and yeah, maybe well, have some see, resistance to it yeah because we see that when we go when they go to see the giants uh, madame maxine and hagrid and they like the gifts that they get are all like magical right and they like appreciate magic and like yeah it. yeah yeah okay um so now we have a section on hagrid's relationship with harry and i put father figure question mark um because a lot of people do see him as a father figure i'll not spoil what i think um, (laughs) until the end but okay so symbolically um hagrid like carried and slash escorted harry through so much of the wizarding world and like throughout the series um so what katie read earlier like he rescued him from godrick's hollow and brought him to privet drive so like he brought him kind of out of the wizarding world and then he brought him back into the wizarding wizarding world when he went and got him because harry wasn't getting his hogwarts letters um and then he carried harry back to hogwarts from the forbidden forest when everyone thought harry was dead and i've always liked that symbolism of like Hagrid being the one to like physically carry him back it's like Mm -hmm. kind of tragic um like if Harry were actually dead oh my god I know (laughs) but also I've always been like how did he not like realize that Harry was I don't know like have you ever tried to lay there and like not breathe so your chest isn't moving like it's hard like I (laughs) don't I don't know how he did that. <laughs> I don't know Magic. how Hagrid didn't notice. Magic. 
Maybe yeah. Hagrid's skin is a little thicker. Can't Maybe he was just so much. distraught. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he was shaking so much, like, because he was crying that, like, he couldn't tell if, like, Harry was kind of moving when he was breathing in his arms. Yeah. Yeah. Harry, yeah. Um, so then Hagrid is also the first person Harry can remember, like, really being kind to him and truly, I think, Harry's first friend. Um, unless you want to count, like, Mrs. Fig, but Harry didn't like spending time with her. Or not, yeah, Miss Fig, that's her name. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's her first name? Arabella. Arabella. So both have faced, they have a lot of similarities. They both face similar hardships. They're both orphans um, and seen as the outcast. I mean, they're both accused of being the heir of Slytherin. <laughs> and I think, I, I think just like Harry being harry and like having all of this attention on him and like not being your average kid has way more like tolerance and understanding of people that are seen as different like we see that with luna um we see that in like how he doesn't ca- like care that hermione is muggle-born and i mean not to say that like other people do make you know like but i think harry is just like a very understanding person and i think he can relate um, to Hagrid in some ways. Harry always supported Hagrid, even though he recognized when ha- Hagrid had gone too far. Um, so he clearly recognized when, like, Hagrid had kind of crossed the line, you know, like, having a dragon. <laughs> um, and, like, blast-ended scrutins and stuff. But he still, like, always um, was kind to Hagrid and, like, kind of got him out of situations and you know like didn't just tell him like okay it's, it's time Hagrid um Hagrid on the flip side Hagrid was one of Harry's biggest supporters um and I think he was a more constant presence than Dumbledore who was flaky for for a hot sack the Weasleys be- just because of like physical location um Remus or Sirius because a physical location and also both of them being like flaky father figures and it showed more love than like McGonagall for example um I think out of all of those people I mean we've talked about how important the Weasleys were to Harry and I'm not trying to belittle that but I think out of all those people like Hagrid might be the most important relationship to Harry um I'd probably be willing like Okay, wait, because, no, because he sees, like, his relationship with Sirius as more important, but, like, I don't think it is. Yeah, no. Like, I think, I think Harry takes for granted Hagrid's relationship a little bit. Not to be like, oh, Harry was unappreciative, but, like, I think Hagrid is more influential. Well, yeah, you see that with, like, all the times that Hagrid, like, invited them down, and Harry's like, ugh. Like, I don't want to go. I have yeah. so many other things to do. Like, oh, I don't want to go to Aragog's funeral. Like, what a joke that is. But, like, he should know how much that meant to Hagrid. And I think, like, Hagrid's constant support was, like, there for Harry when Harry, like, when Hogwarts wasn't, like, a good place for him. Yeah. You know, like, <clears throat> Hagrid was always supportive of Harry, like, during the Triwizard Tournament and, like, during all of two when everyone thought he was the heir of Slytherin, like, Mm -hmm. 
I think, I don't know. I think that the support that Hagrid gave Harry is, like, underappreciated. And, like, if they hadn't been there, I think Harry would have been, like, very affected. I don't think that, I don't know if we, I guess I don't know. I was trying to, like, compare all of these, like, adult figures. And I don't know if we can really that easily, but... I just think Hagrid is up there in, like, important relationships, important adult relationships for Harry. Um, The whole, like, father figure thing, I don't really see him as the best father figure for Harry just because, like, it's a very, like, two-way relationship. Not that, like, father and son isn't two-way, but, like, they're more like friends to me. Yeah. Um, on that note, though, why were none of Harry's kids named after Hagrid? Like, Albus Rubius? Ooh, I Sounds like that. Sounds better than Albus Severus. Ugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> recently, I saw a tweet, and it was like, <laughs> I think it was a tweet. It was like, chronicling, like, Neville, like, doing all these amazing things during his time at Hogwarts, like, having this friendship, like, literally organizing, reorganizing Dumbledore's army, killing Nagini, and then find, and, like, his Bogart being Snape, and then finding out that Harry named his child, Harry and Ginny, two of his best friends, named their child after the man that, like, he feared more than anything in the world, and that bullied him for seven years. I just, like, ugh. I know we've talked, like, we've inadvertently talked about Snape so many times without doing a Snape episode, and, like, our our feelings on Snape are, like, very obvious and clear, but, like, just because he was one of the bravest people that Harry knew, like, and I'm not detracting from that, like, no, he was brave, he died a hero, but that doesn't make him a good guy, like, like, I don't know if the qualification, like, if I'm going to name my kid something, I'm not going to be like, oh, who are the bravest people I know in my life? Not, like, the most important or, like, the people I love the most or the people that or mean like, the most to me. Like, the cut is if they're brave or not. Like, And it doesn't matter. Like, it's brave. And it's like, yeah, he sacrificed for the wizarding world. Like, okay. Like, big picture, he's a hero. But in in Harry within Harry's life, within any student's life yeah. he's not a hero he was a bully okay well i would say to counterpoint to counter argue what what both of us are saying is like i could see maybe it as like harry's way of like carrying on that torch of him being a hero because not my guess is not that many people know like even at the end like i don't know how many people know his story you know, so maybe it's kind of like Harry's well, way of like, I was interested with his hero story. Like, I was interested with this information, and I'm gonna like do what I, I get will that. With it. I think that naming your kid that is not necessarily what you need. Yeah, to name maybe it. Like, set up like a scholarship for yeah, Hogwarts in Severus's name, <laughs> or like dedicate the potions classroom to like the Severus Snape. Yeah, Snape. or like the Severus Snape Memorial Fund. Yeah, I don't know. but also, doesn't he say? In that big spiel to Voldemort, mm. doesn't he say like Snape was was a like good never guy on your side? Yeah, I think he says that. So like that like publicizes it to everyone. Yeah, but I feel like he feels like personal, like it's very personal to him. You know, like Snape, he was the one entrusted with the Snape 
saga story, you know? Yeah, and I also think that, like, I think to Harry, it's, like, kind of a connection to his mother as well. Yeah. Um, Like, I think if the whole Snape story, this is, like, a big caveat, but, like, if the whole Snape story were the same, but, like, without the Lily component, and it was just, like, Snape was this double agent who everyone thought was terrible. Yeah. Um, then I think it, Harry wouldn't have felt, like, this responsibility to, like, do him justice, you yeah. know? Even yeah. though he wasn't really in love with Lily, he was just obsessed with her. Yeah. Um, also, making fun of my earlier point about saying that, like, the criteria for naming your kids is, like, who the bravest is. Like, what more of, like, a two Gryffindor couple? Like, <laughs> so, so cliche, guys. Come on. <laughs> Uh, yeah that's fair anyway I think Harry should have named one of his kids after Hagrid yeah um, even like ahead of Sirius like come on yeah also like uh, isn't it weird for Harry that two, his two two of his children have his parents first names like yeah like maybe not as weird just cause like they were never a part of his life like he doesn't associate it with us with them as much but also i thought what you were gonna say is like so like james's middle name is sirius novice's middle name is severus and like they were mortal enemies yeah like how can you like name both of them i don't know it's just so weird harry what (laughs) i just what really gets me is like neville finding out like getting a birth (laughs) announcement getting the like, like oh harry I, like i thought we were friends like <laughs> you literally named your child after my boggart yeah well i hope neville's boggart was no longer snape after the battle of hogwarts at least yeah what because snape died well i don't know just like i think like he came into his own and like wasn't because like i think the reason like, part of the reason why Snape was his bugger is because, like, he bullied him and, like, had authority over him and, like, was his teacher. Yeah. That, that I feel like he kind of, like, grew out of that. Like, he didn't care as much. Mm. If that makes After sense, After he had, like, you know? seen bigger fears. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it would, like, morph into Bellatrix after, like, mm. meeting Bellatrix. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it could have even changed by, like, five after, the like, the Battle of the Department of Mysteries yeah um okay so wrapping up the Hagrid (laughs) relationship with Harry um how do you see him like how do you see the relationship father friend uncle teacher friend friend I kind of have always seen it as a friend like maybe a little bit more of this like older friend yeah like who has more knowledge than you on like the wizarding world like obviously he like took care of harry too but i feel like this like disregarding like the things that he haggard did for harry like their like relationship emotionally was like very much a friend relationship i think yeah i think friend is probably the best for me i do think like maybe like an uncle kind of you know like that you're like really close with you know yeah um almost like um like an ra like your freshman year when you move into a dorm like a cool ra that like you be well like i was gonna say that like that you become like really good friends with i don't know that because it's kind of got like that 
at least the first couple years he's got that like authority over Harry yeah. like he knows more like he's the one who brought Harry to the wizarding world like taught him things like you know I yeah know. okay so now we're going to talk about Dumbledore or Hagrid's relationship with Dumbledore not Dumbledore's relationship with Hagrid um so they have a long history. We kind of alluded to this. Not alluded. We, like, said it straight up earlier. <laughs> so, like, when Hagrid was expelled, Dumbledore was the one who kind of went to bat for him, um, stopped him from being sent to Azkaban, kind of just had it contained to being expelled, which, I don't know, like, doesn't seem like a lot. Like, he was still expelled, but, hey, he didn't go to Azkaban yet. Um, mm. Poor Hagrid. Yes. Isn't when Dumbledore's the one that got it so Newt wasn't expelled. So yeah. He went a step further think, for Newt. But I don't know if Newt was in danger of going to Azkaban though. Yeah, I don't think anyone died, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. I'm like maybe somebody was injured. Um so I think yeah. there are a lot of cool parallels with Hagrid and Newt. Yeah, and as we continue to get the Fantastic Beasts and like kind of get more of Newt and Dumbledore's relationship, I think that their relationships are really going to parallel each other. Yeah. Um, so like I said, Dumbledore was the one who like went to bat for Hagrid, stopped him from being sent to Azkaban, kept him on the Hogwarts ground, like giving him a home, giving him, but like not even giving him a home, but like he also gave him a purpose in life because yeah. he, like if Hagrid had just like lived on the Hogwarts ground for the next 13 years, like Earth post 13 years old for the rest of his life without like something to do i think he probably would have gone crazy you That'd know be like creepy. you need yeah like you need you need like something to do and so like he studied under the previous gamekeeper uh, i'm trying to think of his name i know what it is uh, molly says it um uh, i'm looking it up no <laughs> It was like some some stupid name, um, like ba- Og. I think Og. it was Og. Yes, I said it first. I hope I hope the recording caught that. Their <laughs> timings were synced. Og. Um, so he studied under Og for a really long time, actually, because if you look at the timeline, if Og was still the head gamekeeper, Molly doesn't, this like, I've heard this in a couple of theories. So like Molly never mentions Hagrid, um, knowing Hagrid when she was at Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, and she talks about Og being the gamekeeper. So people like have taken like some theories with that. Like was Hagrid really at Hogwarts the whole time? Like what else could he have been doing during that time? Cause it's mm. odd that Molly wouldn't have mentioned knowing Hagrid then. Cause like, obviously we know she knows him like in the present time during the series. Yeah. Um, so that's like kind of odd, but so he was like a trainee gamekeeper for a very long time because if really? Og was still the main gamekeeper when Molly maybe, and Arthur. At least. Yeah, so I mean, he was well into like his 40s or 50s when yeah. he, when Og retired and yeah. he took over head gamekeeper. And then we see him become Care of Magical Creatures professor, which is like something else that Dumbledore like bestowed upon him and like gave him that honor of being a professor, which is something that Hagrid like was really excited about and like really wanted to do. Um, so Hagrid kind of, or Dumbledore let him like live out his dreams a little bit. Um, it didn't maybe go the best. He say what you will about Hagrid, but he may not have been the best teacher. <laughs> he was enthusiastic. He is. 
maybe he could have just like used like once Hermione like helped him with his lesson plans he was great he just he just needs some direction um, Dumbledore always trusted Hagrid kind of more than anybody else ever did. Um, yeah. I cut this. This was right before the first mention, like, section that I read out. But McGonagall is like, who's bringing Harry? And Dumbledore's like, oh, Hagrid's got him. And McGonagall's like, are you sure that's wise, Albus? And Dumbledore says, like, I would trust him with my life. Like, we see him um, say that, like, multiple times throughout the series. And then I will say that. I can't, off the top of my head, think of another time that McGonagall doubts that. Like, there are times that she rolls her eyes at Hagrid, but I can't think of another time that she, like, straight up says, like, should we trust Hagrid with this or something, you know? Yeah. So, Um, so that's a, like, that is important in McGonagall and Dumbledore's relationship. Yeah, that, I mean, Hagrid and McGonagall are two of, like, the most loyal people to Dumbledore on the planet. Like, they take his word as gospel. Um, And I'll talk about that a little bit later in my next section. There's some (laughs) things about that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Dumbledore trusts him with his life. He would trust Hagrid doing anything when a lot of people maybe wouldn't trust Hagrid, um, as per bringing Harry. Um... Dumbledore never considered the fact that Hagrid was a half-giant in anything. Um, He didn't think about that when he gave him the position of Care of Magical Creatures professor. Even when that got out, he, like, says he doesn't care. Like, Hagrid, I'm the one who picked you. Like, you are the professor. Like, you're a professor. Mm -hmm. Like, don't let anybody else tell you differently. And then Hagrid's, like, in turn, he felt like he owed Dumbledore, like, everything. And I think that is why he's so loyal to Dumbledore. Like, Dumbledore gave Hagrid everything in his life. Like, yeah. I mean, you can just, I like the points that I just read are everything. Like, Dumbledore gives Hagrid a home, a purpose, responsibility, um, a friend. Yeah. So, I mean, Hagrid feels like he owes Dumbledore everything, but he kind of does as well, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's why he's just so loyal and why he thinks Dumbledore is like the. M- best wizard on the planet the most fair like we see him defend Hagrid to the Dursleys in the first book as well like when Doug, when Vernon's like crackpot old wizard and Hagrid like don't you dare talk about Albus Dumbledore like that in front of me and he's just very protective over Dumbledore yeah. because he sees Dumbledore as this guardian angel that has protected him from everything and given him everything in his life Another thing that um, Dumbledore, I don't know if you said this, Dumbledore trusted Hagrid to get the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, yeah, that's a big one, too. That's huge. Um, And, like, to go to the Giants, like, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Ready to move on? Yeah. So, this next section is on Hagrid's pets. It's a bit of a long one, but we'll move (laughs) through it. Um, So, first up, we have Fang the Boarhound. Fang is, in fact, a very cowardly dog, <laughs> which we learn, I believe the first time you learn it is yeah, when um, Harry and Hermione and Neville and Draco have to go into the Forbidden Forest for detention, and Draco, like, <laughs> wants Fang on his side, and then Fang is, like, the little coward. Yeah, and um, he's like, you can have him, but just so you know, he's a big coward. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So Fang is supposed to be a boarhound. In the movies, he's portrayed by a Neapolitan Mastiff. And a number of different dogs played Fang throughout the movies. Um, He, like I said, he goes into the Forbidden Forest um, for detention with the kids. Harry and Ron bring him again to follow the spiders in chamber. Um, You think they would learn? He is very loyal to Hagrid. He gets stunned by Umbridge and Co. during Order of the Phoenix, one trying to protect Hagrid. He gets trapped in the burning hut when the Death Eaters come to Hogwarts and Half-Blood Prince. But he makes it out alive, thankfully. Yeah, that um, would have been devastating. That Dumbledore I, and Fang? Whew. I would have lost it. Um, before the Battle of Hogwarts, Hagrid and Grop, like, bring him to the castle, and I think they, like, put him in through a window or something, and he's seen, like, during the battle, like, running away from things, like, running away from, like, things crashing and stuff. It was probably, like, his worst nightmare. Um, it's unknown if he survives, like, we don't have any firm evidence, but since we don't see Hagrid, like, mourning him afterwards, he probably survived. Um... The next one is Aragog the Acromantula, which Katie talked about a little bit in regards to the Chamber of Secrets. Aragog's name, um, Era comes from arachnid, which like spiders are arachnids, and then Agog means leader, so like his name literally means leader of the spiders. Um, we know that it was given to Hagrid as a, as an egg from the pocket of a distant traveler, um, and people are theorizing that this is new which i think is cool and i'm totally fine with the one thing that i the thing the like connection that people are theorizing that i'm not fine with is if newt gave dumbledore fox yeah which i think we've talked about before so we're not going to get into that but um i think it'd be cool if newt gave hagrid aragog um by the end of his life he's the size of a small elephant and has eighteen an eighteen foot leg span. That's like massive. That's like almost a two story building. Yeah. But wide. Yeah, yeah. It's bigger than the room I'm in right now. <laughs> um his wife was Mosag and they had a lot of a lot of babies together. <laughs> um <laughs> He, Aragog was accused of being Slytherin's monster, but actually spiders fear the basilisk. Um, and yeah, we know about all of that. And then he died of an unknown illness in the spring of 1997. And Hagrid actually had to like remove him from the forest before his family like ate him. Um, for Katie's trivia corner, uh, Mosag is always a good question that people ask on Harry Potter trivia, like who is Aragog's wife's name? So there you go. Katie's trivia corner. Can we make yeah. that a official <laughs> segment? Yeah, every episode I can there's something in there that's always like common trivia. I'll point yeah. it out. We're gonna start doing that. <laughs> like officially. I know we do it already, but Yeah. <laughs> oh and by the way, Katie's trivia corner, corner is spelled with a K. Oh yeah. Obviously Okay, so then we have Norbert slash Norberta, the Norwegian Ridgeback. So Hagrid receives a dragon egg from a hooded man in the hogshead by winning a card game. And we later find out that that was Quirrell, who purposely lost the game to try to get info from Hagrid 
about getting past Fluffy, and he was, like, trying to, like, butter Hagrid up, and he knew Hagrid would want the dragon's egg. Dragon breeding is illegal in England. Um, so, when Malfoy was spying on the trio and sees Norbert, they have to come up with a way to get Norbert away. Um, and they decide to get him away to Romania through Charlie Weasley and Charlie's friends. Ron was bitten by Norbert, so he's in the hospital in the night that this all happens, that they, like, move him. And doesn't he say, like, he got bit by Fang? Yeah, and my Humphrey's like, hmm, sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> Such a bad lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then later on, I believe it's in... I actually think it, it's either in Goblet of Fire or at the wedding. Maybe it's at Goblet of Fire. I think it's at Goblet... Uh, yeah, but I think it's Goblet of Fire. Charlie tells Hagrid that Norbert was actually a female dragon and has been renamed Norberta at the Dragon Sanctuary, but is oh. doing well. Fun fact about Katie. So I bought a plant um, for my freshman year of college. It never made it to college with me, so it just stayed at home. <laughs> but it was it in my dorm. Yeah, because it's like a tree, and it's called like the dragon tree. Like in the species name, it's like dragon. So I was like, oh, perfect name, Norbert. Oh, Fun Norbert, fact. not Norberta? No, it's a male. Okay. Plus, Norbert <laughs> is kind of a bad name. Sorry. I like Norbert better, yeah. Me too, yeah. Um, okay, next up we have Buckbeak the Hippogriff, who is introduced in Haggard's first class teaching care of magical creatures and prisoner of Azkaban. Buckbeak, quote, injures Malfoy during this lesson and so is sentenced to death by the ministry. But of course, Harry. That checks out. <laughs> but of course, Harry and Hermione save Buckbeak and Sirius, and Sirius takes ownership of Buckbeak for a little bit. Um, when Sirius dies, Harry inherits Buckbeak, who had been just, like, living at 12 Grimmauld Place, which is, like, a really sad existence. Yeah. I think. And I feel like Sirius didn't want to part with him because, like, it was, like, kind of his only company. Yeah, I think he liked the idea of somebody else being trapped with him, too. Yeah. Misery loves company. Yeah. Um, but Harry gives Buckbeak back to Hagrid and they rename him Witherwings. Um, and Buckbeak and a bunch of Thestrals attack Voldemort and the Death Eaters during the Battle of Hogwarts. They like pick their eyes out. Cool. <laughs> nice. Um, also, note on Buckbeak, my sister, we were watching the. Um, the wizarding we were watching the Harry Potter like marathon over Thanksgiving and she called him buckwheat I love that so isn't that a thing though like buckwheat yeah like buckwheat pancakes yeah they're gross yeah I know you don't like that (laughs) (laughs) um then finally Fluffy the three headed dog um Fluffy is interesting because he's supposed to be modeled on um Severus yeah in Greek mythology yeah um I just like completely left his name out of my notes (laughs) (laughs) um and who's the dog that guards the underworld in Greek mythology um with three heads Hagrid gets Fluffy from a quote Greek chappy in the leaky cauldron which like is a like interesting tie because Greek mythology 
Um, in the movies, it's an Irish guy that gives it to him, which is like, why would you make that change? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to make that change. If anything, like, leave out the story about him getting it. I don't know. Yeah. Like, or you could just, like, say he got it from a guy. Like, why is the yeah. nationality important if it's not going to be the right nationality? <laughs> yeah. But stuff like that in the movies bothers me. Yeah. Um, so then Hagrid loans Fluffy to Dumbledore to protect the stone. And it's revealed that Fluffy can be lulled to sleep by music. And that's how Quirrell gets past him. And then at the end, I think he's, like, set free in the Forbidden Forest for a little bit. But then Dumbledore's like, okay, he's got to go back to Greece. (laughs) The Forbidden Forest has too many of your runaway animals, Hagrid. Yeah. (laughs) Like, three-headed dog, maybe a little too much. (laughs) Uh, All right. Okay, so this one is what we've all been waiting for. So this section, there is a popular, and yes, I'm going to stick with popular fan theory out there, that Hagrid is in fact an undercover Death Eater the entire time. Whoa. Um, Mind blown. I'm going to, I have a funny little spiel before this, so I just want to say that I don't subscribe to this theory. I think it's kind of bullshit. Um, I think that a lot of it comes from plot holes from the first book that J.K. Rowling left in there because she wasn't as honed in her craft of world building and didn't know where it was going to go as much, and people poking at those holes and then using them as evidence. Um and they're convenient I don't know they just like seem like convenient things that JK Rowling put in there to make the story move along and people are like poking at that and using that as evidence and I don't think that that's valid evidence um so this comes from a 21 page google doc I'm gonna be real with y'all I have not read the entire it's on reddit yeah we'll we'll link it um when this episode comes out um it's final season. Nobody got time for that. I'm sorry. So we're going to just go over some quick things. So I did read the, far, the part about the first book. So I'm going to go through that kind of in depth and then more quickly through the other books. Um, so the evidence that they come up with is that, let me find it again. Um, Hagrid uses some magical abilities that he maybe should not be able to do, um, judging by the fact that he only had magical education up to his third year of Hogwarts. Um, So people are like, oh, the Death Eaters taught him how to do that. There's something about like him flying. Um, I don't really fully understand what it's saying. Um, About how he flew to... He tells Harry that when when he gets the boat for them to leave the the island, the rock, the hut on the rock, or whatever. Yeah, the hut on the rock. Um, he's like, oh, like I didn't I didn't use this to get here, and Harry's like, how did you get here then? And he just says, flew. And Harry's like, you flew. And basically, I just think it's because he didn't want to explain to Harry what apparating was, or like yeah. it's because it was early in the books and like. JK hadn't really established that yet. Yeah, but people are saying that, like, the only people we know that can fly without brooms are Death Eaters, so he must have learned it from the Death Eaters or Oh, Hagrid, and the or whole Voldemort. point is he didn't, he didn't use a broom because they're too... He can't. Yeah, he can't, he's too yeah. heavy for a broom. Maybe he took a Thestral. 
Maybe. Um, or a hippogriff. So he also um, is the one who introduces Harry to Quirrell. So a lot of people are like, Quirrell just happened to be in the bar that day. That's too much of a coincidence to happen on its own. Like Hagrid must have manufactured that and like started that relationship between Harry and Quirrell. Again, I really think it's just convenience people for the plot to move along. Um, my favorite was that somebody was like, plus Hagrid bought Harry a snowy owl, which is the most conspicuous looking owl and can be tracked so easily. Like Hagrid was sabotaging him from the beginning. I'm like, whoa, okay now. Snowy owl was supposed to be like a really good gift. Like not many people have a snowy owl. Like it's very prestigious. Um, okay, fine. Um <laughs> Something else is that Hagrid knew where the Potter's house was when it was supposed to be under the Fidelius charm and nobody was supposed to know because obviously he's the one that collects Harry. But you could also point to the fact that Sirius knows where it was because he was also there. Yeah. And he wasn't the secret keeper. So maybe like when the charm went away, like, I don't know. Again, kind of convenient thing. Like somebody yeah. had to pick him up. I don't know how we how Hagrid knew but people think that it's because Wormtail told him, because that's obviously the most obvious answer to that. Um, he is very adamant that Voldemort's, or not very adamant, but he is under the impression that Voldemort's not gone for good. He's always like, well, people say he's gone, but like that's Cod's wallop in my opinion. Um, so even from the beginning, he thinks that Voldemort might come back, which people are like, oh, because like he wants Voldemort to come back. Well, that one, that's because Dumbledore believed that Voldemort was gone. Correct. And then two, the the Fidelis charm thing. So I just want to point out that the the it plot hole with Sirius not knowing is like because even if Worm told Wormtail had told Sirius, then Sirius would know that Wormtail was the secret keeper, and he didn't know that. Yeah. So oh I wait, just- he did know that. He did know that. That, yeah, he did know that Wormtail was the secret keeper. Wait, no, but he, he thought didn't. that oh. He knew Wormtail was the secret keeper, but he knew that... But he thought that Remus was the spy. Yeah, yeah, because he told them right. to use Wormtail. Right, okay, never mind. Yeah, but either way, it just, like, really doesn't make that much sense. Um, people also think that his cruelty to Dudley when he, like, gives him a pig's tail is, like, cruelty towards, like, muggles, and thus he's, like, a purebloodist, um, even though he's half-giant, so, like, really not pureblood at all. Um, it's fine. I mean, not that Voldemort was pureblood either, but still. Or Steve. Um, yeah. Then, it's for the second book, it says that he Hagrid knows who Voldemort is, um, duh, he went to school with him, like, what? <laughs> um, people also point to that, like, he could have become friends with Tom Riddle in school, because we know that they were there at the same time, but, yeah, but then kind of ruined Tom his got life him expelled. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, he spends time in areas known for dark wizards, um, pointing to him seeing him, uh, Harry seeing him in Nocturne Alley, but he says he's buying flesh-eating slug repellent, so, like, Okay, Um, in Prisoner of Azkaban, it says he purposely spreads misinformation and rumors, which only serve to aid Voldemort. Um, I don't really know what this is talking about. (laughs) Oh, it's he just he can't keep his mouth shut, and so like he says things all the time. Um, 
And Gobble to Fire, people think that – so Hagrid, like, helps Harry through the Triwizard Tournament, like, encourages him to do well, and they're like, oh, Hagrid must know that, like, at the end it leads to Voldemort. That's why I was encouraging him. Like, no, Hagrid's just a good friend. Um, he illegally and unethically cheated during the Triwizard Tournament. He's just trying to help a friend out. Also, like, everybody did. I know. Also, and this one is – And just because he does illegal things doesn't make him a death eater. Yeah. This one was my favorite, though. So apparently, this theory is that Hagrid kept Voldemort's wand throughout Ugh. the 13 years in between. So people are like, if Voldemort lost his wand, supposedly, like if he was destroyed at the Potter's house and didn't have it when he was, um, whatever his baby Valdi thing is, and taking, possessing creatures throughout those entire 13 years, how did he get the wand again in Goblet of Fire when he's resurrected? So the theory is that Hagrid was like the first one on the scene. Him and Sirius were the first people on the scene back at the Potter's house. So their theory is based off the fact that Hagrid could have possibly taken the wand there and then passed it along to Mad-Eye Moody during their like cahooting that fourth year. And that's how Voldemort got the wand again. Um, no, I don't real know. Mad-Eye Moody. It doesn't really seem uh, bulletproof to me. Um, in the fifth year, we learn that he's a capable liar um, based on how he lies to Umbridge about where he was, which I don't think was very capable. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it says that he's feeding operational plans and intelligence to Voldemort um, because he fails to recruit the giants. And so he thinks that, like, this theory is saying that he purposely failed to recruit the giants and helped Voldemort, in fact, recruit them. Um, again, okay. Um, this is my, I, I keep on saying this is my favorite, but in Half-Blood Prince, their evidence is that Hagrid systematically sabotages Harry's education. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, so, like, he kind of always is, I, like, what even is their evidence for this? It, uh, there's no evidence for this. Never mind. It just is all Hagrid's influence with Harry. Um, but I assume this is like, I mean, he's not a very good teacher. He kind of like takes time away from Harry doing homework and like helping him, like going down to Aragog, like for Aragog's funeral, like I mentioned earlier. Um, stuff like that. Then in Deathly Hallows. Um, so this is kind of what I alluded to earlier when I talked about Hagrid and Dumbledore's relationship. So this points to the fact that Dumbledore was always, um, or so Dumbledore always defended Snape and Hagrid was loyal to Dumbledore. So when Dumbledore died, Hagrid was in turn loyal to Snape because Dumbledore was. So there are a couple times where he's like, well, Dumbledore trusted Snape. So like we have to trust him. Um, and so that like helps Snape's double crossing even though it helps the good side i don't know i don't know guys um people think that so voldemort uses the acromantulas in the battle in the final battle so people think that hagrid helped voldemort use the acromantulas um and he never we never see him fighting in the battle of hogwarts so he must have been fighting against the good people because there's no evidence of him (laughs) fighting with the good people um (laughs) I don't know. I like I said. I think this is just a lot of like poking at convenient plot points when they don't need to be poked. I don't. It just seems very utterly ridiculous to me. Yeah. Um. So. Also, just to mention, this was posted by. Did you say this? It's posted on Reddit no. by. 
Woof Page. W H O O F P H. It seems like Whoops. an exclamation. Um, and it was posted like four months ago, and it has a ton of comments, like in support of it. So, like that's why we're saying it's popular. Like a lot of people are like, "Wow, this is mind blowing!" Like I totally believe this. So, yeah. Let us know what you think about it because we don't believe it. Yeah, like. I'm open to fan theories, and I love reading them, and I think they're very interesting. Um, but this is one that I just can't, like, really get behind. Because number one yeah. is, like, tearing down this, like, amazing character that we all love, for the most part. Yeah. I hope people love Hagrid. Um, and, like, his whole, like, story arc and, like, his struggles through life and his, like, kind of, like... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyways. Um... He was always, like, kind of underestimated. Yeah. And he comes out to be this, like, great character who's so caring and loving and, like, defies the odds of, like, him being a giant. Like, he must be bad, but he's really not. He's, like, this teddy bear. Um, and, like, I don't know. His story is just such a good one. I know we didn't really talk about this at all, but I feel like I need to mention it. Like, I mean, Hagrid survived Azkaban. Not yeah. many people can say that. Like, I think he's one of very few people. I Like, I want to say, like, three people to have like come back from Azkaban so like him Sirius and Barty Crouch Jr. Well and once you go to Azkaban like yeah tricks and stuff yeah um but like once you go to Azkaban you're supposed to stay there for life yeah so yeah I don't know he's just like a great character and I think that this not only doesn't really make any sense and I don't buy the evidence points but it also is just like ruining his character yeah yeah I agree. Like, I like fan theories, too. That's why usually when we do a character episode, I Google, like, character name, fan theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm not a fan of this one. <laughs> All right. So, we ready to move on? Yes. <laughs> to the best section ever. Archie Thomas. Yes. This is the Archie Thomas cocktail from <laughs> Archie Thomas's book of 50 amazing cocktails inspired by harry potter um also if you i don't think we've mentioned this yet if you know archie thomas let us know we're trying to get him on the podcast yeah Um, we can't find his contact information on the publishing (laughs) website um and maybe this summer when i have a little bit more free time or wow this summer that's a while from now maybe next semester when i have a little bit more free time i'll contact the publishing agency and see if they have his contact information but we'd love to have him on an episode yeah for sure so his cocktail for hagrid is a rusty nail and it says quote the recipe below is for haggard sized portion non-giants may wish to reduce the amount of each ingredient to a more sensible level for humans the traditional name of this cocktail is a rusty nail although the twist of the lemon peel is a non-standard addition so getting a little fancy there um i really appreciate archie's humor in this about <laughs> making the recipe for a giant um or for a haggard sized portion half giant so the recipe is 20 parts whiskey, 20 parts strambuie, which is scotch, a lemon peel, and ice. That is a lot of alcohol. That's just all alcohol, too. <laughs> no, there's a lemon peel and ice. Yeah, but you do actually consume the lemon peel. <laughs> um, yeah, so honestly, I think that's a pretty accurate cocktail for Hagrid. I can take it. He yeah. does like, he likes his mead, though. Isn't that what he normally drinks, mead? 
I think he drinks a lot of wine too, right? Oh yeah, mold, mold wine, something like that. Glug. Glug. <laughs> Um, so for the where are they now section, we don't have too, too much information about where Hagrid is. We know that he didn't marry or have children. Um, J.K. Rowling said that in an interview, Madame Maxine proved to be too sophisticated for him. Ugh. Yeah. Um, we do know he was still working at Hogwarts when Albus, or working slash maybe living at Hogwarts when Albus started Hogwarts, um, in the 19 years later slash Albus Rubius? Yes, Albus Rubius. That's his new name. Um, we don't know what he was doing. We don't know whether he was still gamekeeper and or magical care of magical creatures professor. He could have just been like living out his life there, like in his hut. That's his home. Um, we don't know. Taking care of his pets and creatures, living the good life. He was like ninety five. I want to say at this point. No, uh, right. We said he's ninety one right now. Yeah, but when does when is nineteen 89. years later? 19 years later. First child is in 2017. Yeah, 2017. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Never mind. He was 89. Ignore me. Did you say it was, I was, do you think I was saying it happened in 1989? Yeah, I was like, that's, that's not correct. (laughs) Um, Time turners. Oh my God, shut up. (laughs) But yeah, um, so ideally, I hope he's just like living, like maybe doing like gamekeeper duties a little bit, but like he also has somebody to help him out. And he's just like living with Fang, who's still alive. I was going to say, I hope Fang's still alive. Yeah. Fang is definitely magical. He's definitely living as long as Hagrid is, at least. Are you concerned about the fact that your favorite Harry Potter characters go to a magic school that doesn't teach them practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? Did you go to a magic school that didn't teach you practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? If any of the above applies to you, you should check out our podcast. That's Not How Science Works, hosted by myself and my truly awesome co-host, Nicole. In our podcast, Caitlin and I discuss the science in different pieces of media, such as movies or TV shows, and dissect whether it's good, bad, or just plain ridiculous. Often, we also have special guests who help us rant about bad science and their areas of expertise. We release new episodes every other Monday, and you can find us wherever you usually download your podcasts. We like to think of this as a podcast for the science curious. So whether you're a practicing scientist or a wizard who just graduated high school with no practical life skills, we'd love for you to listen in. You can also find out more by going to our website, thatsnotscience.com, or by looking us up on Twitter, at TNHSWpod. We hope you give us a listen. Now back to your regularly scheduled Potterheads, Katie and Audrey. Okay, um, for speaking of Fang, for the pop quiz, the question is, what is your favorite pet of Hagrid's? Well, you kind of just ruined my punchline, mine's <laughs> Fang. <laughs> I figured yours was going to be Fang. <laughs> I'm through and through a dog person and i think fang is i love big dogs and i think fang is so cute and i love when big dogs have like personalities where they like think they're a lap dog or Mm -hmm. (laughs) like aren't what they look like they they don't they look like they might be like fearsome and scary but they're really just big teddy bears yeah i love fang so much um I don't know. Like, Fang would probably be my choice, but thinking about it more, I think I might have to go Buckbeak. Mm. Um, I think Buckbeak is just, like, a bigger part of the story, if that makes sense. Like, has more consequence Mm. in the story. Like, Fang is just, like, there kind of thing. But, like, Buckbeak, like, makes plot. But, like, I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like, he's just, like, Hagrid's loyal pet that, like, 
follows yeah. him. But Buckbeak, like, actually has, like, plot points and storylines. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I will say um, my favorite part about Hogwarts Mystery was that Fang was in it as a puppy. Yeah, that was so cute. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I get what so you're saying cute. about Buckbeak. And Buckbeak's pretty cool and also, like, more... Not more, but, like, a very, like, sentient creature. Yeah, like, you can definitely tell, like, she? He. He has a personality. You know, like, yeah. when if you go back and, like, read those sections of, like, Harry, like, bowing to him and, like, saving yeah. him. Like, he's very, like, he's got, he's got some sass to him. I, I always love that. You did. Check yeah. out my YouTube video. Yeah. Also, yeah. I know what photo we're going to post on Instagram for this. Is it going to be a photo? Is it going to be a screenshot of you bowing? No. Oh. It's going to be from that, from the Wizarding World. Or from Warner Brothers Studio Tours. Oh, do you yeah. have a pickup book, Beak? No. It's, this episode is about Hagrid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to... What? Is there a picture of us in the, on the It'll bike? It'll be a surprise for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, go subscribe to us anywhere that oh, you Oh, I know what picture you're talking about. The forest perspective one? Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry. So go subscribe to us um, anywhere you listen to our podcast. And... Please, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, we also love hearing from you on, on other platforms, but we're really trying to up our ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Um, that is so helpful for us getting new listeners and helping us grow. Yeah, I just want to say that we are still at 18 reviews, and I said last time that I wasn't going to record an episode unless we were at 20, so you're welcome, people. <laughs> Um, as for our social media, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Wizard Studies Podcast and Twitter as Wizard Studies. Be on the lookout for our viral tweet that's about to happen. Um, if you have any suggestions for episode ideas or pop quiz questions, you can email us as well at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. <laughs>